Joe podcast, we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. On this edition of the All-Around Joe podcast, I have Menachem Brody. Menachem is a strength training and cycling expert that is just an amazing person. He knows the ins and outs of like I said, strength training, cycling, but also nutrition, performance optimization, mental conditioning, all kinds of cool stuff. Menachem is on top of it. And in this podcast, I've kind of gone off the rails a little bit. I've asked him some very serious questions, but then also some really fun questions. So if you're interested in getting stronger, getting, shoot, getting bigger, getting your nutrition tuned in, learning what Menachem is into... This podcast is for you. But before we get started, I just wanted to let you guys know this podcast brought to you by Meta, all right? If you have any kind of issues with adrenal fatigue or you train a ton or you work really hard or any of those things, you got to check out Meta because it's full of adaptogenic herbs, which are going to pretty much combat or, yeah, I would say combat what the caffeine or the stimulation market is doing to you. So check out Meta. Go to drinkmeta.com and you can use the code allaroundjoe to get yourself a discount. That's drinkmeta.com. Use the code allaroundjoe to get yourself a discount. I'm drinking Metas pretty much every single day. I highly recommend if you're a hard charger, you look into them yourself. All right, guys, without further ado, here we go with Menachem Brody. Menachem, how you doing today, man? Fantastic, man. Living large. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, for those of the those uh, people that don't know, I've had you on my other show, The Get Better Project. So I'm excited to have you on the All Around Joe podcast. A little bit more free-flowing over here, not necessarily a set list of questions, and we can go back and forth um, as much as we want to. So that will be really fun. Um, maybe we shouldn't tell each other or tell the audience how long our last interview went um, <laughs> if they're looking to do anything else today. But... Uh, Oh, well, let's get started, though, by letting this audience know what your background is and where you are right now, because you're in a different part of the world. And uh, we'll go from there. Cool. Uh, so last time it was like we were hanging out having beers. That's what it really felt like, right? <laughs> uh, just talking shop. Uh, I'm in Tel Aviv right now. I've been here for uh, it was six years on Christmas that I've made my main base here. Uh, and I moved from uh, here from Pittsburgh. I was born and raised, and I did that because uh, there's an opportunity to help the sports scene, specifically cycling here in Israel, uh, which I've had the opportunity to do. Uh, my background is exercise physiology, exercise science. I've been coaching for uh, 15, 16, 18 years at this point, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, started really young with like younger kids and basketball and just made a career out of it. So I've been coaching full-time for 12 years, started my own business, Human Vortex Training out of Pittsburgh, had a small studio, and I've just uh, grown and expanded it. And uh, strength and conditioning is my thing, and cycling is my passion. So just kind of put those two together as like pineapple, apple, apple pen, you know, kind of a good mix and uh, got mixed up in CrossFit here. So a little bit of everything, man. Yeah, it's super fun. I My mind gets blown when I'm talking to you every time. So what... Like, what was the integral piece in moving to Tel Aviv, and how have you had that, or how has that experience been for you? Uh, man, there's so many different pieces. Part of it, the thing that made me, like, really jump, one was my older sister with her family moved here in October of that year, 
And I was kind of like, I was already thinking about it. I actually, uh, I, I, not my, my proudest moment. I smashed the heart of somebody I was in a relationship with at the time in May. And I was like, a big thing for me is that one, at soon in the next decade, I want to move to Israel. There's an opportunity there. My parents retired and moved there um, and ended it over the, over the phone. We had like a two-year relationship. It was really tough. Um, you know, it leads to better things. I just had another call before this. And, you know, it's always hard, but you move forward. Uh, she got married thereafter. She's happily married, has a kid, maybe two at this point. Uh, I'm happily married as well uh, at this point. So, you know, it all worked out. I think the big thing for me was, I wanted to have a bigger impact. Like I love Pittsburgh. I do. Uh, I was back there for 36 hours uh, in November before my USA Cycling uh, Coaching Summit presentation. Um, we went back and forth and we decided not to tell anybody aside from my uncle that we were coming because we didn't have enough time to really see people. So sure. we saw my uncle and, and a, um, one friend, two friends, and the other one happened to be there. I do miss it. My wife's like, I can see like, like you miss Pittsburgh. The thing is, is that for me, my life goal is to help 3 million people, like fitter, happier, healthier. That's my goal. And I saw Israel as a great place. It's closer to Europe. Cycling's my thing. Uh, Israel's very much developing. Um, and I just, you know, I needed to take a gamble. I was like, I want to move somewhere. And I was preparing to move to Italy. I had learned Italian <laughs> on my own. Uh, that was my, you know, when you break up with somebody, you always choose one thing. Like some people, you get obsessed with fitness or nutrition. Mine was Italian. So I taught my, I learned Italian, Rosetta Stone. And I had uh, lined up to go and be an understudy with these two coaches in Italy. And I just got the feeling they were doing someone a favor. And my sister had just moved. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I, I don't want to go there and live in a hole in the wall and be treated like crap. I don't even know these guys. It, it just feels not right. So you know what? My parents are living in Israel now. They're retired. So I can always crash on their sofa. <laughs> uh, and that's pretty much what I did. So that, that, and there's a bunch of other stuff. Like there's so much other crap that goes on in the background, but those were the two big, like I'd already committed and, and broken a, a relationship because this is something I wanted. And it was just kind of like through caution, the wind was like, either I'll, I'll screw it up and it'll go awful and I'll wind up living at home again and, you know, figuring out how do I move back and otherwise it'll be good. And it wound cool. up being far better, way better than I ever thought. Uh, my wife, my impact here is just, it, I, I couldn't have even imagined, like, this is well beyond what I could have thought. Okay. So how is the comparison of Israel to Pittsburgh or the United States? Um, the culture here is very different. Um, family is at the core. Like, uh, the post office closes from two to five. So people can go home and pick up their kids and spend time with them. And then they open from five to eight. <laughs> so when I first moved here, I'm like, why the hell are the banks and the, <laughs> the post office closed? And now that I'm married and thinking about kids, I'm like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, Friday, Friday afternoons here before uh, uh, Shabbat or Sabbath comes in is incredible. The roads are like empty. Everybody is with somebody pretty much. Um, a lot of tourists are out at bars, but like, the bars are empty. Like nobody's out. We're talking about Tel Aviv is like New York City. If you can imagine New York City, every, let's say, Saturday night, there's family dinner. And from five until eight, nobody's out at the bars. Like they're still open, but nobody's out. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of focus there. Um, and the sports scene here, uh, there's a lot of great people here. Like Ron Margoliot has pretty much built Israel Cycling Academy with Ron Barone and Sylvan Adams. Um, there are a lot of forward thinkers here. There's a lot of obstacles to overcome, but there's an opportunity to really have an impact. Uh, and what I mean by that is that it's a very vibrant sporting community. I have never seen that many hand cyclists uh, in my life, and we have probably 50 or 100 in the country, and they're out. They're very active. 
which is fantastic. And it's very inclusive. I mean, uh, the, the cycling team that I'm, I'm coaching here has, uh, I think we have nine or 10 nationalities, Christian, uh, Arab, Jewish, Catholic, and I want to say Druze, which is a type of uh, Christianity as well. So it's very, very robust. Crazy, man. And why did your parents end up there first and foremost? Excellent question. Uh, they were looking to, to move to Phoenix, actually, and it was so expensive. They had to own two cars if you wanted to do anything. So my dad was retiring. Uh, my mom, like when my mom told me after I, I moved here, uh, she, she actually told me that when they got married, they wanted to move here. And, you know, their um, uh, family friends at the time had said, it's not the right time. Like Israel's very young. It's very tough. Uh, so they were looking to move to Phoenix, actually, and they just looked at the cost of living. They're like, there's like, there's no way we can afford to live there for longer than like five or six years. You need two cars. You have to drive everywhere. And then my mom, like jokingly one day, was like, well, why don't we move to Israel? And my dad's like, all right, let's look at it. And, you know, the, the fresh produce, like the, the U.S., we're talking organic. That was one of the things coming back to the States this time where I was like, this is so weird to me like to have or, like organic labeling because here everything is pretty much organic there are some things that are labeled as gmo but uh it's very rare to find that you you pick up the label you're like gmo like did this like fall out of the sky or something like, <laughs> how did that come from um the produce here is so fresh and it tastes like pomegranates i just picked up fresh dates this afternoon from uh the vendor like it's incredible. Like farmer's market in the States, I had to wait for Thursday from five to nine. Here it's, you go to the, the open air market and there's always fresh produce. So like my level of nutrition is like, and health is way through the roof because it's so much fresher. Yeah. How's the cost of living there compared to let's say Phoenix or Pittsburgh? So Tel Aviv itself is high where my parents are living is, um, is a small city called Mala Dumim. Um, so it's actually way cheaper. Like, um, I don't know what their actual rent is, but it's somewhere probably around a thousand dollars a month. Uh, they have, uh, you know, it's a small, um, apartment, but it's what they need. Um, my dad doesn't have to fix anything. That was the other thing. If they move to Phoenix, the rent is high. You know, if they want to buy, it's really expensive, especially coming from Pittsburgh. They moved in 2008, which we all know how that was for, you know, for the housing market. Yeah. Um, so the cost of living itself in Tel Aviv, I think we're like 21st or 22nd highest in the world. But if you understand how to live a healthy lifestyle, it's actually not too bad. Only rent. Like every time rent comes around, I'm like, man, I can't believe I'm paying that much. But in, in Pittsburgh, I was paying 200 bucks for a, a shared apartment with the studio space, you know, right. or, or 300. Um, so, you know, we have a nice apartment, but the way I look at it is I have sun, I have a beach, which I never thought would be where I live. Um, and I have a very uh, healthy lifestyle, fresh produce, fresh, you know, we can even get fresh milk for relatively cheap, like five bucks for uh, a liter. Like, you know, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so is the is there snow there? Or is the climate what's the climate like? So that that's what's really cool, man. Uh in Israel you get all of the climates. So my my parents live in the Judean Desert, so they have like the the typical Middle Eastern what you think of, you know, uh of, of the peninsula uh or the area. If you go up north, uh Mount Hermon, you have skiing. Uh, when you go up there, uh, it almost feels like you're in uh, southern Italy or northern Italy, rather. Um, when you go, we just drove to the middle of the country this past weekend. And I kind of fell asleep in the car and I woke up. I'm like, is that, that moment where you wake up and you're like, where, where the hell am I? So it's like the sun's just coming up. I'm like, 
am I in Holland? Like, I, looked, I was like, oh, right, I'm Israel. We're going to, so it's, it's like, you get a little bit of everything. And then a lot, it's like, um, you know, the, the French Riviera, like you got, you got everything here. So you get snow up north on, on Mount Charmon. We did have sleet here and kind of snow in Jerusalem uh, two years ago, actual snow. They had two inches and the whole city like shut down. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm from Pittsburgh, man. Like, let's get the car and drive. <laughs> um, so you get a little bit of everything here. It's, it's really shocking for a country that's smaller than the size of New Jersey. You get everything. Crazy. Cool. Well, I could keep talking about travel and whatnot for a long time. So sorry for those of you that are not interested in travel. So I got this super smart health and fitness guy on the line, but he lives in Israel for God's sake. So got to ask those questions. But I'm going to take a complete 180 degree turn and ask you certifications. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get talked or asked a lot about certifications. So let's talk health and fitness certifications. Do you have any favorite general and then favorite specific certifications that you like for either what it is, you know, your, any of your specialties or anything that you've seen or, or taken along the way that you're like, man, that is just really good stuff. And it could be anything across the board. We're talking health, fitness, cycling, nutrition, whatever. Cool. Um, that's a tough question because there's been an explosion the last couple of years of, of certifications. Um, I always have mixed feelings about this and this is a good curveball. I mean, there's, there's the professional answer like we talked about in the get better project. It depends. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. I think the staples, one of them I don't have yet and that's the strong first. Okay. Um, I love that certification. I think that Pavel and uh, Dan John's been involved with it. Mark Reifkind, uh, by the way, if you don't follow him on Facebook, Mark's been uh, uh, strict pressing and documenting that and his heavy swings. Pretty cool. Um, I would go with strong first. I think that it teaches basic human movements, basic understanding of tension, modulating tension and pressure, uh, which leads to the second certification, which would be postpartum corrective exercise specialist uh, by Dr. Sarah Duval. Uh, I found that really beneficial, you know, not just for the the postpartum women that I work with, but everybody. Like I actually have, and now that I've had time to like, it's been a year since I got the certification um, about, uh, or a year since I started the certification, I realized that I've had more 40 to 65 year old men who had diastasis, recti, than postpartum women, which is fascinating to me. And can you explain what that is? Yes. So diastasis recti is where the six pack uh, actually separates. So usually we think of it as postpartum women, but really uh, it can happen to anybody based off of uh, your movement patterns, uh, tending to sitting slouched or, or whatever may be uh, injury. Um, and what this is, is it's an inability of the muscle to, to stay closed. It changes how the six pack moves, which changes your intradominal abdominal pressure abilities, which also changes how the pelvic floor moves, also changes how your breathing goes, changes your posture and can lead to all different types of things, including urinary leakage. Uh, it can lead to bowel incontinence, which is a big issue, obviously, uh, and a ton of other things. So the postpartum corrective exercise specialist uh, with, with Sarah, I, I chose that one on purpose because her resources that she had out there beforehand and her blog posts were so well-written. It was you know speaking to those who had higher knowledge and those who had no knowledge, which was totally me. And uh, it's like her, her course was just through, like, I, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Like very well supported. Um, I think if I understood her correctly, she's going to open it for rolling enrollment. It used to be closed every couple months. So now it's going to be open. Um, don't quote me on that, but I'm 99% positive that'll happen. Um, so those would be the first two. And then after that, uh, just for a basic understanding of nutrition, I'd go precision nutrition. 
I think John Berardi and team have done a great job. Um, if you look at it, you know, some people are like, oh, it's not that impressive. It doesn't have the uh, RDLD. It's like, dude, nutrition comes down to basic stuff. If you look at the RDLD, it, it's bias. Like dairy needs to be a part of your diet. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, the Dutch, when I was in, in Holland, I'm like, there's so many dairy products. It's dairy and pork and dairy and pork and dairy and pork and baked goods. That's it. Um, like really there was no Greek, yo- Greek yogurt. There was Greek style. I'm like, Oh, this is high protein. And Robin who ran the women's cycling thing was like, that has four grams of protein. I was like, what? No. Di- oh my God. What the hell? <laughs> uh, so like, I think that there's a lot of different things we have to remember um, with each certification. I hold the NSCA, CSCS. Uh, All of them have their pros and cons. I I think that ISSA has come a long way the last couple of years. Um, I just signed up for Lee Taft's uh, NSPA, NSPA National Sport Performance Academy or Association, which is relatively new. Um, I just like Lee. Like I've learned from him for about a decade now, and I just love his stuff. And the certification for speed and agility coach, I think they have one for weightlifting. Um, There's two other ones I can't remember. But the big thing is you just have to be careful about what you're getting. Um, There's one more, which would be uh, Joel Jameson's BioForce certified coach, which I just finished. I kind of let it lag, uh, linger for a little bit. I had it like 80% done and just like, I'll do it next week. Uh, That was really good. HRV training, conditioning, how to write a conditioning program. Joel's a fantastic coach. I've been following him also for a decade at this point since he started his blog eight weeks out. Um, those would be the four that I think uh, would be a basis for somebody. So strong first, basic human movement, um, postpartum corrective exercise, breathing, um, posture, pressure regulation, um, precision nutrition, and then uh, so five, ISSA or NSCA for you know basic uh, programming, and then Joel Jameson's uh, bioforce conditioning. Uh, it's also going to cost you about seven grand, but you know, uh, like the thing is, is that it's not the certification is, is what are you going to learn from it? Is it giving you the right information? And what I mean by that is, you know, there's lots of right information, but is it presented to you as this is the only way to do it? Or here's the good information we have now. And then they update the course later and all of these, they always update them. So in 10 years from now, I would not be surprised if, you know, any one of these would be like, hey, remember we taught that in 2018? Yeah, now we know that's wrong. So don't do that anymore. Yeah, right. We had the best information at the time or what we thought was the best information. And then we found out new stuff. And here we go. Yeah, exactly. That's why I love Precision Nutrition. It took me three years to pull the trigger on that thing. Did it? Like, yeah, because I'm like, ah, and then they finally changed. I can't remember what it was he changed, but he put an article up. I'm like, okay, I have to do it. If they're, if they're going to come out and say this, like there's, I need to support him. Like this is good. Yeah. Yeah. I've been following them for a long time. I haven't taken the certification, but it's next on my list for things I'm going to spend money on just because I'm, I've had it come up. You're the third person in a row. I think now that I've talked to that I've asked about nutrition certifications and it's come up. Like, ah, uh, you know, I do a whole bunch of nu- nutrition reading and, and stuff on my own, but I need to spend some money on it and get it, get it done. Cause I think it sounds super interesting and I love everything yeah. they put out. So, yeah, he, it's so good. I mean, the, even the textbook was a joy to read. Like I finished it in three days. I, I'm not kidding. Like I've never enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I scheduled a couple personal training sessions and it just happened like being vacation time. And I just sat there and, and the next time I was like, wow, it's five o'clock. And they're like, oh, I'm not coming to him. I'm like, all right, cool. I, I read one day, eight to eight, like almost straight through. Like it, it, it was that easy to read. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm, I loved it. It was like, it was a pleasure. It was like reading a, a journal about nutrition. Like, yeah. you know, um, 
Yeah, it's amazing when you find a really like hardcore um, information or informative book or journal or whatever it may be, when the person actually can write in a way that makes it enjoyable to read. And, you know, reading a whole bunch of journals as I was coming up and through college and whatnot, I would have never thought that was possible. But there, <laughs> there are a few people that have, you know, brought light to that, you know, like, Oh man, I was recently reading something completely off topic, but have you ever read uh, Jeff Walker's launch formula? I have. Yeah. He writes that thing in such a way that you're just like, give me more, give me more. I, I'm taking notes and I know that this is like a very step-by-step, you know, not fun thing to learn, but he's making it so much fun to learn that, ah, oh, man. So that's a, that's awesome to hear that there are people moving in that direction a textbook <laughs> yeah and and for strength dan john's fantastic he does the same yeah. thing like uh fat loss happens on monday with josh uh what's his name easy strength i just heard quoted in another uh podcast uh i won't make a comment about that because they got something wrong which was really a staple that irks me uh maybe a comment uh dan john says this many weeks and i'm like nope that's not it uh, but we all do that you know we all hear the information once and, and we mean well so i leave it um and then for, for cycling, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm struggling. Like I keep going back and forth uh, about the UCI coaching certification. I, I pushed uh, the coach I'm working with here to get it a couple years ago. It's uh, you go live in Switzerland for three weeks, uh, eat, breathe, and live cycling there. Cool. I just don't know. She's like, do you want the certification or do you, do you want something else out of it? Because you don't need more certifications. Right. Um, and it's kind of like, I want the, I want to meet the people. Like I want to see what they're teaching at that level, you know? Right. But it's like 6,000 bucks. Like it's expensive. Yeah. It's hard when you've got to hustle to make the money and you want to keep on learning and you have to make these tough decisions. And, you know, especially when you're doing your own thing, like, like we do where it's like we run our own shop and we've got to keep the dollars coming in. And sometimes we don't have enough employees or whatnot to keep the dollars come in as we're off going and learning really cool things. So it becomes this, this juggling act. And I, I get it. I totally get it. How do you, how do you balance it? Is it like, do you look at it for certification as far as having uh, um, somewhere like something standing behind you saying, yes, I know this giving legitimacy, or is it more of, okay, you're like the fourth person to ask me about this. I want good information so I can answer this question as a coach. Or is it more like, I'm just curious, like let's, let's learn about this. Honestly, it's the second two. I, I just want to know the information. I could really care less about certifications or, you know, num- letters beyond my name at this point. Um, you know, and that kind of leads me into my next question for you. But yeah, I, for me, it's all about just the information. And like you said, the meeting the people and seeing how they do it for me, that is, that is so cool. Like, uh, I, I really want to go to this, um, on a CrossFit note, the CrossFit, um, perform it's the, uh, competitors program. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I want to go hang out with Chris Spieler. Um, I just want to go hang out with him. You know, I don't, I could, I'm sure he has so much stuff to teach me. I don't care if I have that on, you know, my resume resumes to me are obsolete at this point, but it's so cool to be able to like, I want to be friends with him. I want to be, you know, be able to be like, Hey, Chris, you want to go work out? I'm driving through town or, you know, what do you think about this? You know, the same way I could shoot you an email and be like, Hey, Menachem, what do you think about this? To me, that's the interesting stuff. That's the really 
the relationships and hey, I, let's hang out and let me see how you do the things that you do because I don't, I can't get that any other way, you know, by seeing how you move, why you do that, how you talk about how you move while you're doing it. I don't know. It's almost something that you can't explain or I can't explain well unless I'm actually in the situation, looking at it, watching it, feeling it kind of thing. Yeah. I'm like that with the bike fitting certification. I did Serata, which a lot of people like Serata. It's like, this is the basics. This teaches you how the person moves and how the bike should look. And then you go off and do retool or specialized. Like specialized has gotten a lot better recently, but you know, I had somebody, one of my professional athletes, she just signed her um, UCI contract uh, and she's going to race in Europe this year. But she came back. She was all excited. He's like a retool fitter. I'm like, I could, I could do the fit for you, but I don't have all the pieces you need and you need somebody who can do it. And she came back and she looked awful. And I was like, how do you, how do you feel on the bike? She's like, I don't know. Like he showed me the thing and my, my lines on the uh, computer printout and the screen matched up better. And I'm just looking like, Jesus, what did this guy do? And like, uh, a week later, she's like, my back is hurting. I'm like, yep, we're taking you right back. <laughs> we're going back to where you were before. Because <laughs> uh, so many people are fitting, you know, what do you think of the online certification where it's just, you know, teaching a methodology, but you, you don't meet people. Like Posture Restoration Institute has started doing that. And like, that's one that I really want to do. Uh, my coach, uh, Miguel Argantilo, is actually uh, very involved with them. But I, I, I just feel like doing the online course, and you have 30 days. So they want you to do it. And, you know, not like the BioForce, which took me half a year to finish. I feel like that misses the point of the certifications, right? Like it should be like show up in person and learn, right? Yeah. I think that there's different components to it and it's hard to, it's hard to create that balance or like, you know, get that experience for people. And, you know, you have an online program. I have an online program. It's hard to figure out what that is. You know, can you do it with uh, video? Can you do it with video feedback? I don't think that you can get, as good, you know, especially if you have somebody that's dynamic in person that can yeah. really almost make you feel the information they're trying to teach. That just doesn't come across to me over the online courses. Um, but in, I, I've also had the experience too, where I showed up and I was like, all right, this person would have been way better if I just learned from them online because they're not charismatic. They don't have that energy. Yeah. Um, so I think that it kind of goes it can go both ways, but in the best case scenario, I would like to be in person, you know, having you or someone else teach me the expertise that you want to teach, right? Because you're going to be dynamic. You're going to be able to give you that feeling as well as with the information. So, but sometimes, you know, I'm in Key West and you're in Tel Aviv and you just got to do it that way. Yeah. I, I keep that's why I keep putting off strong first I really want to go to one that Dan's teaching like Dan John like it's just like it's not like he's on a holy grail but you just you can see in his videos and even how he, he writes you're like there's so much more beyond this and you're in person with him and you're just going to get like a hundred times more yep. I kind of do yep I, I, I'm with you man I'm with you so next question as we were talking about certifications um, how do you feel about college at this point. All right. Because this is something that's interesting as an entrepreneur and um, a business person and somebody that loves knowledge and went to college and got a kinesiology degree and, you know, went down the physical therapy route and for a while before I decided, nope, this isn't for me. But anyway, how do you feel about kids or teenagers are coming up right now? Do you think that college is the way that they should go? Or do you think that now that we have all of these, these certifications, 
and learning opportunities, you know, whether it be internships or whatever it may be, um, do you think there's a, a better way or a different way? You are just, we're on the same, same level, man. <laughs> um, okay. So I've been doing a lot of research into this. So I have, I think it's becoming a more common view. Um, I just want to see, I had a website up before, uh, see if I can find it. But here's the thing is a lot of people don't realize that student debt behind a home mortgage, that is the number two leading cause of debt in the U S that could have changed. Like the, the website I had, it was home mortgage, student loan, auto loan, and then credit card debt. Cause we've all been taught now that you need to be responsible with your credit cards, right? The great credit uh, crisis of 2008. Everybody's like, I remember they were giving, I remember getting a capital one, uh, $500, uh, credit limit credit card, just walking down the street, signed the paper. I used it up to hundred bucks. They're like, Oh, congratulations. You qualify for $2,500 college <laughs> kid. What do you think I did? I love coffee. I went to freaking Starbucks and rang up like a, a grand in coffee. Um, <laughs> But since the credit crisis in 2008, that's, that's been, uh, they've not allowed that anymore from what I understand. But um, here's the other thing with it. Um, and I could be wrong on this. I need to double check. My, my, one of my clients and I keep having this conversation. I see him five days a week and we keep going back and forth. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Obama signed into law uh, in his second term that no longer is student debt erased when you declare bankruptcy. Oh, yeah, it's not. It's definitely yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So, um, he did a lot of good things in his term, but that was one thing where I'm like, come on, dude, that's, that's effed up. <laughs> like that's, yeah. And the thing is, is that what people don't realize, there was a great blog post. I'll see if I can find it for you. I can't remember who wrote it, but she, she went out and worked her butt off for three and a half years to pay off her student debt. And I, I, I get it. Uh, one of my best friends lived at home with his parents after undergrad so that he could go to physical therapy for his master's or his DPT and not be saddled with that it was cheaper for his parents to take out a second mortgage on their home and for him to pay them back plus interest like double than to take a student loan out. So I have, I'm very thankful for my degree. I'm wearing, I'm even wearing my pit t-shirt today. <laughs> you can see, right. I'm very thankful, but it was also because I went out and I worked my ass off. Like I was not, I remember three different managers told me you're doing too much and they were right. I still do it. My wife still tells me, and, and you know, I actually am, am just getting ready now to step down uh, for now for the foreseeable future from working with the cycling team here in Tel Aviv because I just, you only have so much energy. Yep. And it's, it's such a hard decision. But at this point, I am so petrified of just oversleeping and not showing up to work out. I'm like, I can't do that. I can't let those people down. Um, anyhow, the point of this is in, in college, when I went to college, uh, I started off, I worked at uh, the coffee tree. I was doing about 20 hours a week. I worked as a uh, student uh, gym floor uh, attendant, essentially, as a work study. Uh, and then I also worked a couple other odd jobs around town. And, and once I got my uh, certification, I was working as a personal trainer. And I worked as a floor staff at the JCC. And I coached basketball. I was working 65 hours a week as an undergrad. Now, here's the thing. Gary Vee says this, and I totally agree with him. College isn't for everybody but sometimes you need to do it to get your foot in the door. And that's, that's what got me through. I almost uh, followed my friend, Samson. He decided to take two years off before school. Uh, the first year he just figured out what he wanted to do. He took a bar, apart a 1994 mercury tracer, took it down to nothing, built it back up, including the engine with his brother. 
Uh, and he's like, oh, cool. That's pretty cool. I like mechanicing and wrenching stuff. So now I'll go to community college, lived at home, just as I did. I'm happy I listened to my parents about that. What I'm getting at, Joe, is that college is whatever you need it to be. But to go and get $37,000 a year in debt, when you come out, most of the jobs, they don't even cover your student loans. Like my dad, I remember I was very fortunate to have a shared, the $600 a month shared studio with two other people. Because I, even then, even then, I still had to have my dad bail me out twice for student loan payments because I couldn't afford 500 bucks a month. I used up my, my, my deferment or my forbearance in my first two years after grad, after graduating. Like the, the payoff now for, for student debt is, is not, in my opinion, especially business degree. MBA, I think that they're so outdated unless you need to have that degree to play with the big boys. Sure. And okay. even then you're going to pay a super premium, an uber premium to go to NYU or Columbia Harvard, because you need that name, that label. And universities are recognizing this. I just signed up. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't pay for the course, but uh, Columbia uh, or NYU, I can't remember, one of them has an online course on artificial intelligence. Hmm. So, as you remember, I was involved with uh, V by Lifebeam. So I'm like, I want to learn more because they kind of kept me in my box, which was great for me because I got really good at this thing. But I'm like, am I going to pay half of a, a quarter of a semester at Columbia if I actually showed up in person? for one course. Is it actually worth it? And I think that it's the biggest fallacy. Like college is a new thing. We're, we're like, we're like this in, in the history of college. College was not a thing until after or during Vietnam, right? Before that, people like World War II, people came home. We needed something to do with the, the soldiers. And I, I can't attest to this. I'm just parroting what other people say that makes sense to me. Um, they were coming home from war we don't need to produce goods anymore. And that's another thing. The U.S. is a consumer nation. I think something like 25 or 30% is produced of what we consume at home, which is awful. And that's a very flag that our economy is screwed. Um, but college, I think it depends. I, I'm very thankful. I would not go back again. If I had to do it again, uh, if I needed an exercise physiology degree, then I would push myself through. I failed algebra in college three times, man. Twice. Sorry. I, he passed me the last one. He's like, just get a D plus on the test. And I want you out of here. <laughs> he saw, I didn't care. He's like, you know, these, he's like, how much homework are you doing? And, and, and he's like, tell me honestly, how much homework are you doing? It's like five minutes. He's like, just get a D plus on the, on the, on the thing. And I will pass you. I'll give you a C minus so you can, or a C so you can get done with this chemistry. Same thing. Um, uh, oh, I forget her name. I feel really bad. She was, she was so nice. Uh, I went during the school. I was um, during the summer. I was doing my summer internship at the physical therapists. I was also working at the coffee tree. Uh, and like the third or fourth class, she asked me to stay after while people were leaving. And I thought I was like in trouble because my cell phone went off. And she's like, "What? Are, what are you doing right now?" I was like, "I'm leaving class." She's like, "No, no. Like, what else do you have going on beside this class? And why did you take the summer?" It's like, I took the summer so I can graduate only one semester late. Um, I'm also doing an internship. I'm working at the coffee tree. I'm working as a personal trainer. And she's like, okay, here's the deal. You need to come in and show me that you're doing the homework each week. Uh, and as long as you're showing the, the competence for the core things, like you're showing me that you understand the order of operations, I'll give you the grade you need to graduate. And that's exactly what I, and I worked my ass off for her. Chemistry still sucks. <laughs> Uh, my friend who's, uh, who stayed at home, his mom actually is a chemistry teacher. And I connected those dots. <laughs> um, but I think, I think college is a waste of time and money for a lot of people.
And, and it sucks to say that, but it's become this, oh, go to college and get a job. Dude, you can't even get a job without a master's anymore. Like, are you, like people are like, you're not an exercise physiologist because you don't have a, a master's degree. I was like, exercise scientist because I didn't take chem two. Sure. Yes. Chem two. Absolutely. You're right. I'm not an exercise physiologist. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the title doesn't matter. It's the knowledge. Yep. Um, so, I, you know, before I moved to Israel, I was actually getting ready to sign up to learn how to be a welder. Really? Yeah. Union job, 50 to $75 an hour. You work three days a week. You're scheduled off. Fantastic benefits. And then I can personal train and, and, and it gives me the living expenses. Uh, here in Israel, not the case. Like welders make minimum wage because there's so many people who are skilled at that. Yeah. Um, but I think that we've uh, shop class as soul craft. I cannot remember the, t- the author's uh, name, but shop class as soul craft is a fantastic, fantastic book. Uh, I've always loved working with my hands. My mentor at Pitt, Tim Belts, was actually really big into woodcraft when he had time. Uh, I signed up in high school to go to, wo- to shop class. Guess what? Cut the funding. Can't do it. We're going to sit here and watch uh, um, Yankee Workshop. <laughs> That's what we did in shop class. We all got A's as long as we showed up. You know, the people that wanted, I was like, man, I just want to, I'm going to go home. And he's like, what are you going to do at home? I was like, read. He's like, bring your books here. All right, cool. But uh, we've sacrificed music. We've sacrificed dance. My wife's brother works at the, the National Dance Institute in uh, New York, New York City. Fantastic. Artistic kids, it's movement. I just had a conversation with another coach in Las Vegas, Greg Choate. Uh, psych- uh, he's a, a physiologist as well, works with a bunch of sports. Dance. Why does it have to be about sport? Dance is hard. My wife used to do hip hop. My sister does tap jazz. It's art. It's movement. Um, do you need to go to college to teach that? No. But everybody's like, oh, you, you don't have a college degree? You know, how long is your nose? You know, like, <laughs> so I could go on and on. But um, the point is, is I think that college is, is, that's our next big debt crisis. And Ray Dalio has a book, uh, The Big Crisis, I think he calls it, or Our Big Crisis, something like that. Uh, I can tell you, but <sighs> we've put it on such a pedestal. And it's become the only way. I remember working at the coffee tree and and there were one or two customers that after my sixth or seventh year here, they're like, I thought you were in college. I was like, oh, I graduated. They're like, well, why are you still here? I was like, free coffee. And I love the the owners. Like, I like what I do here. Oh, you have no future. Like, really, dude? So I think that's, I think it's going to, I, the costs have risen immensely. When my sister graduated four years before me, cost at Pitt was $3,500 a year. Yeah. When I graduated, it was, uh, I think, 5000 a semester, so 10000 And now it's something like 8500 Like, how does that work? That doesn't match inflation. Is, yeah. is it actually that valuable? No. You know, am I happy to support them and wear their logo and tell people? Absolutely. But I, I made what I want. Gary says, like, he failed a bunch of classes in elementary school. I fucking... Sorry. I, <laughs> I made it so long. Damn it. Damn it. Oh, jeez. I failed college algebra. I failed chemistry. And, and people are like, uh, uh, old roommate and friend of mine uh, just went to, um, it's actually called Fuck Up Nights, uh, and shared his story. And people are like, well, you messed up because you failed chemistry and, and algebra. No, I didn't. I failed because I was doing something I loved. I was working at the Pitt men's basketball team. Were my priorities a little bit skewed? And did I understand that I was costing myself $6,000 at the time? No. 
would I have cared more if I would have realized, hey, this is another 6,000 bucks a student loan? I'd be like, oh, I should probably work a little bit harder here. Yeah. I am where I am because I made what I wanted out of it. But for everybody that's just going to college and thinks that getting the degree, like I see a lot of people from my degree went on to a master's in exercise physiology and they're working in something else. Yeah. Like what's the point of having a hundred thousand dollars in debt? Not. Nope. Was, it's not. It's not. That was a, yeah. that was a What's that? I, 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 I was going to say something. I'm going to, I'm going to hold it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm with you, man. I think that you touched on something earlier about the certifications and how some of them are updating their materials as they go. And if colleges would take an approach like that, then it would be way more interesting to me. You know, if I could go and look and see, oh, you know, I'm a San Diego State University graduate of the kinesiology program, and I can go back and see that they updated, you know, XYZ course and get a refresher because they're staying on top of their shit. And I w- I can go and continue to learn from them for a, the life of it. You know, like I could just get an, uh, a lifetime enrollment because I paid them all this money. Then it would be totally different for me, I think, you know, and, and feeling like they're on the cutting edge right now. I don't even feel like a lot of these colleges and, ha- you know, take it with a grain of salt because I don't know all of the colleges. I know there's just a handful of them that I, I, I've been to or that I have friends that have been to where I feel like their programs are lacking behind some of these certifications. They're too slow to, to change and they're stuck in their ways and the, the professors are not walking the talk. And it's just like, why are we spending so much money on it? And I personally have never had somebody ask me to see my degree. You know, I used to tell people that I had a kinesiology degree and that would get me through doors. It'd be like, Hey, you know, do you want to be a personal trainer at this really high end place? And I'd be like, yeah, I've got a kinesiology degree in my CSCS. And they're like, Oh, do you want a job? And it's like, uh, you didn't see me teach anything. Um, but I guess I'll take the job. Sure. How's, you know, it's good. Right. So, um, man, I mean, that's, I, I won't hold it. I'll, I'll, I'll share it. Um, that's exactly my problem. That, that is, I've, I've almost pulled the trigger. I have gotten through the, the application process and, and just not pressed uh, submit for four different master's degrees in dietetics because it doesn't freaking matter. It doesn't. I know so many people and that's like, I've had interns. Uh, my last, my intern from last year is actually, he's, he's back. Uh, he's visiting now. Uh, he'll actually be here when we're done. Um, he knows more than, than the interns that I interviewed who had a certification because he's just curious. The other ones were like, Oh, we'll I have my CSCS and I've had it for a year. Uh, well, what have you been doing with it? Oh, I've been personal training people. All right. Put me through a session. All right. We're going to do that. Okay. Well, you're going to teach me biomechanics. No, no, it looks good. <laughs> stuff up on purpose, but like there's gotta be that balance and there just isn't. And, and this is where I hope it changes. I think that universities have, because of the stigma behind them and it is a, or a dogma at this point, rather than a stigma, it's a dogma. If they can adapt and they don't even have to be like cutting edge, but just like you said, once you have the degree, you still have access to our courses. So for those people like you and I, who actually give a crap, and I want to go back on and go through the course catalog and take the ones that were in our department, we can continue doing that. 
Hell, I would even start an, uh, a university where, you know what, if you want, you pay us $500 a year and you can come in and sit in on up to three classes, take the exams, everything, if, or if you want to take the exam, you have to pay for the proctor's time, whatever it may be, like give us the option to stay up if we want. Like I would have never left Pitt at that point. I had two professors that I freaking loved. Like if I could have gone back and cause every semester was different. I went through one of their classes twice, but like it was awesome cause it was new stuff. It wasn't like physics where it's the same, you know, Bueller, Bueller, like an object in motion tends to like, Oh, come on, man. <laughs> yep. I'm with you. It's, it's gotta be evolving and you got those professors that you just mentioned that are evolving their course you know how much time that takes? Like they've got to be on their game in order to do that. Um, having come from a long line and been friends with a ton of high level teachers, it is teaching in that way where you are evolving and learning and putting that back into your craft is so hard and so underpaid. And that's a whole nother topic that we could get into. Oh yeah. Um, those should be our millionaires. I think, you know, be if, if they're doing that type of work uh, and I don't have a solution for it. And I know that that's just like a tip of the iceberg comment there, but, yeah, but man, oh man, should those yeah. be the, the people that are just killing it, crushing it. So yeah. anyway, yeah. We- next, next topic <laughs> here. Um, this one's just totally weird. If you could be a superhero, who would you be? Oh man. Did I stump Menachem Brody? No way. It would either be Batman or Superman, and not for the obvious reasons. Okay. It's more of like the concealing one identity and really like, that's kind of how I feel. I kind of feel like one of them, it depends on how many gadgets I'm using. Like when I'm using the Leomo, I'm like, I feel like Batman. Like when I'm, when I'm out there, like coaches eyeing and helping people that way, I feel like Superman. And that's, the appeal is the ability to help people kind of and and helping them help themselves yeah you know like with superman it's not like flying and save the day it's like well the people can handle and now we have to call uh you know superman or now we have to call batman because it's out of our control like having the ability um those would be the 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 main ones i don't know man that's tough like not spider-man because like i don't know it's really cool but i feel like it gets old after a while (laughs) yeah Yeah, one of those two Okay. Nice. Um, all right. Back to, back to performance. Uh, what is the craziest natural performance or body composition change that you've seen in somebody? And I emphasize natural and I understand that may or may not be, we can't know for sure, but I always think it's interesting because I've got a few people that I've, I've seen and I think it's just fun to to bring it up. For example, mine is that in college, I had this guy that I used to train with a lot and I was into bodybuilding at the time, but this guy, he was so hypersensitive to whatever effects creatine had that I shit you not. This guy looked like he started taking steroids when I gave him creatine and he put on 20 pounds of muscle in about, man, it, you know, this is a, a few years ago. You know, so I'm probably inflating this story a little bit, but, uh, we're talking 20 pounds of muscle in like three months, like this guy. And we were both, we were in, you know, exercise phys labs and whatnot. So we were testing all this stuff and the only, and I was still big on like, you know, what did you change in your lifestyle? Blah, blah, blah. He was on the row team or crew row, whatever. 
Um, and this dude just totally like jacked himself up. And the only thing that we could attribute it to it, that he was taking creatine and, you know, potentially eating more food, but I'd never seen anything like it. And I still, to this day, haven't seen anything like it. And it was just a very traditional, very basic bodybuilding style program that we were going through, nothing special, but that's probably to this day, the biggest body composition change that I've ever seen. Uh, mine's a little bit tough. Cause I have, I worked in the bariatric clinic for two years. So, I mean, there, uh, actually it, it was a welder. Uh, <laughs> he was the one who got me interested. There's full circle right there for you. Wow. Um, I can picture him and I can still hear his voice, but I can't remember his damn name, but, uh, he just, he listened, like he listened, he, he was involved. He was active. He was proactive. Um, even before the surgery, he almost didn't qualify for surgery because he lost so much. But um, the, the surgeon I was working with, Dr. Robert Quinlan and um, Dr. Leanne Peluso, they were so good. Like they both like consulted with one another, and and the ultimate decision was this guy is is taken to it. Um, we're going to do it before the. I don't know if I'm, if it was before the insurance it says no or before the cutoff for the insurance. I think it was before the cutoff for the insurance. But like looking at him, you'd be like, you don't really need it, but. It, there were things going on. So he'd be one. He lost, um, correction. He lost 189 and a half pounds of fat mass and put on 17 and a half or 18 pounds of muscle mass in six months. Um, but his job as a welder, he was lifting and, and moving heavy things. And I just gave him a couple exercises, a basic hinge to work on, uh, a row and, um, I think I gave him a yoga exercise for back extension, but thoracic extension. And between those things, he managed to rebalance his body. So he was walking better, moving better, uh, all these different things. So that would be one. The second would be um, Chelsea, whom I worked with. She actually won a uh, competition at the JCC in Pittsburgh to work with me intensively for six months. So we managed, uh, she had some other stuff going on. She actually is now on Instagram, uh, the traveling pooch or my traveling pouch, I think is her name. Essentially, she wound up having to get, um, well, we, we got her down, I think 27 or 37 pounds, which was a huge win because she had some hormonal stuff going on. Uh, she just had a, uh, gastric sleeve and she lost the rest of the weight. And we kind of, if I remember it correctly, like you said, it's been a couple years. So, you know, how big was the fish kind of deal? <laughs> um, if I remember correctly, I made two comments to her that, that kind of um, were, were come, came from a good place, but were a little misunderstood, I think. The first one was, uh, you have the work ethic of, a, of an Olympic athlete. Like, if you really worked at this, like, who knows where you can be in a couple of years? And that was interpreted to be like, well, I could be an Olympic athlete. And as we all know, that's, you know... Um, that's highly unlikely, not that it's impossible. The second was, uh, is that I said to her, you know, after all the time we've been together, um, I can't say that I said, don't take this the wrong way, but I said something along the lines of like, I think at this point we need to look at the possible, the real possibility of gastric bypass. And that was not okay at that time in her life. Um, but at, at this point, I think that she, had the surgery. She's documenting everything. It's like my traveling pouch or something. I'll find it and send it over to you. And it's incredible. Like she's sharing her story. She was this very shy woman. Uh, funny. There's my favorite picture ever is she's on the, the slide board and I, I'm just tying my shoe and I, and this was like classic me. 
I just made some smart ass comment while she's in the middle of the slide board and she just lost it. And that's like who she was like very outgoing. Um, so she would, I would say she's number one cause that was all persistence, sweat, blood, tears. And the last one would be, uh, one of the, the cyclists I had in the States where, um, he really took to everything. Again, he listened and it was, a t- it was teamwork. We did strength training, uh, wound up converting about 25 pounds of fat, um, six pounds of muscle. And when I stay converting fat to muscle, he transitioned it, but we built him up like a cyclist from the ground up. He came to me at 210 pounds, really overweight, not like 200 pounds, like you and me, like 210 pounds. Uh, and he's one of the stronger or was one of the stronger guys in the field. Uh, and that was over eight months, but again, teamwork and communication and listening. Yeah. How old were these people? Uh, I think John was the welder, 56, 57. Uh, Chelsea was in her late 20s, maybe 28, 29, and the cyclist was 47. Okay, very interesting. Uh, thoughts on changing your body composition and or increasing performance with age? Awesome. This is a good one. So – a lot of it is, is increasing lean muscle mass. So that comes through strength training and it doesn't mean like a bodybuilder. The, the training, as you get older, the recovery becomes more important and that's where performance enhancing, enhancing drugs come to aid. Like a lot of people look at Barry Bonds, like technically he never tested positive, um, but there were also designer drugs. I don't think that Barry Bonds did steroids. I'm happy to say that. People are like, what are you talking about? I think there are many other ways and uh, Joe Romanowski talks about in his book, uh, Romo, um, there are other ways that you can help the body recover them if it works for you. I'm a non-responder. Actually, I'm a responder where I sweat and get headaches. <laughs> so I try that for three nights. Like you're, the guy you're talking about tried creatine and I went the opposite way. If you're going to do it as you get older, you really need to have a real understanding that you can choose one, uh, three of these five, family, fitness, work, social life, or sleep. You only get to choose three. As long as you're okay with that, we're going to do fine. And I've had a number of triathletes come to me. I, I, I don't take that many anymore. I just uh, signed somebody this year for a half Ironman. I have another one. Uh, we're going to make her a very, uh, very successful comeback story. But it's the, the fact of saying no, and you can't do everything. Oh, well, I just, I want to, I want to ski for seven hours. Nope. Can't do it. Your body can't handle it. So as you get older, we need to recognize two things. One is that sleep is recovery. Number two is everything you've done up to that point, including your crappy nutrition is, is affecting you negatively. If you want to change your body composition, whether it's to be a cyclist, whether it's to be a a strength and conditioning athlete, a CrossFit athlete, you need to show up three to five days a week, depending on what your life stress will allow. You need to fuel yourself properly. Don't get stuck in, you know, sometimes keto works, sometimes intermittent fasting works. Find what the, the most common things that people your age in that sport or that lifestyle are doing that are successful and just be consistent as F doing that. As Dan John says, anything can work for two weeks. Let's try it for two weeks. Let's yeah. see what happens. And that's what I tell people. I want to try intermittent fasting. And in my head, I'm like, there's no way it's going to work for you. You're a competitive site. Let's try it for two weeks. And then at the end of the second week, they're like, I feel awful. My power number, that's, it's not going to work. Let's try this instead. Right. You are what you do consistently. 
my body composition didn't change until I finally swallowed the pill, I'm probably never going to get on the bike and be competitive again in my life. My hip just won't allow it unless I get the hip replacement. Yeah, then fine. When I finally swallowed that pill and, and was like, all right, I'm going to eat and train and sleep and recover like someone who's powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden people are like, wow, you look great. Like, cause I'm not trying to do both. And it's a struggle. If you want to be a CrossFitter and I'm thinking of someone in particular, and we've had this conversation, if you want to be a CrossFitter or a cyclist, you need to choose one, but cycling supports CrossFitting. No, it doesn't. You can use cycling. Arnold rode his bike for two hours a day four days a week. Why? Because he was getting his cardio in. He knew that his heart was important. Um, Mike Pekulski, Mike Pekulski, is that the, the guy's IFBB ex-pro? Uh, I'm not sure. Something Pekulski, uh, he's dropped, he, he retired from uh, bodybuilding and he's dropped down below 225 pounds and he's gotten small. Like he's still ripped. Like, let's, not, let's not kid ourselves. If you look, uh, I forget who just passed, uh, the wrestler just passed. They're all in their 50s. They're dying of heart attacks because the body can't support that much weight. Ben Pekulski, that's his name. So I think Ben recognizes that. I know uh, you know, Arnold now is hovering probably around 200. There's something about 225 pounds, 100 kilos. That's about what, after that, you're looking at probably early, early mortality. You're going to have to work a lot harder to keep your cardiorespiratory fitness so keep that in mind. If you were a bodybuilder or a powerlifter, uh, there's a guy in Pittsburgh who went from uh, bodybuilding and powerlifting. Um, Brett, I'm not going to mention his last name, but Brett, uh, he, I went back and he's down to 190. He looks fantastic. He's still muscular. Mm-hmm. But for him, it was the same thing going back and forth. But there's something about that 225. Completely like, I don't have any hard evidence, but if you think about these guys that were bodybuilders and big guys that haven't dropped that weight off, that aren't still competitive. Like if you're still competitive, they're still doing the cardio, right. uh, but there's something to it. So those sure. are kind of the things. Choose three. You only get three. So if you've got young kids, family's got to be up there. Got a wife, family's gotta, or a husband, family has to be up Okay, sleep is number two. So now you either have social life, fitness, uh, or what was the third one? Work. Choose one. Yep. And so I'm... I'm in an environment right now where there's a whole bunch of older population. Okay. So like any way where that I look, there's an RV park and there's people that have retired and they're cruising around, usually carrying 50 pounds extra on their body or whatnot. Um, so I'm really interested in, and having talked with a lot of these people as I've traveled, you know, they, you hear constantly hear this, well, now that I'm retired, I have time for these other things, right? Cause they knocked that work off of that, off of the thing. What do you think, or have you found anything that works for motivating people in that particular environment to go from, all right, I was doing those three things, right? I had the family, I had the work. And I guess maybe I was sleeping, but I wasn't, my fitness obviously tanked um, because that's what I'm seeing all over here in the, you know, the snowbird area. Do you have anything? Have you ever found anything that has worked to motivate these people or to throw in that wrench that makes the change? Cause they all talk about, Oh yeah. Cause I'm the guy working out in the campground and they're like, mm-hmm. I should be doing that. And I'm like, no shit, you should be doing it. You're like, you look like you could be walking through the campground and I'm worried that I might have to call the ambulance, you know? <laughs> um, so I, this is a constant struggle for me trying to figure out how to do this lightly, you know, with a motivational thing. 
Have you found anything or do you have any thoughts on that? Older population motivation to get their shit together. Because they all have, they've got all the excuses in the world. Everybody's different. I mean, we, and we know that. So breaking down from there, I just had a friend of a dad just messaged me the other day and said, hey, uh, I, I need weightlifting exercises to put on upper body mass. I was like, so why? Do you want to do it for racquetball? Do you want to do it for looks? Do you want to do it for moving stuff? I just want to put on. It comes down right now. We are on in the beginning of the wave. And this is a whole nother conversation you and I can have of the, 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 the people who are retiring are going to outnumber those who are entering into the workspace. And the people retiring are now pulling money out of the stock market. Jack Bogle just said yesterday, which I, I've already been doing on my own, but invest in equities, fixed income. Don't invest like the stocks. He said, I see a storm. And this is what he's talking. People are like, what are you talking about? Yeah, we might have a recession, but it'll be fine. No, no, no. Jack's looking long-term. For the next 20 years, more people are going to be pulling money out of the stock market than younger people investing. Why is this important? Because we're, and this is why CrossFit, in my opinion, switched what they're doing to focus on general health because they realize for the next 15 years, the ages of people who are going to want to get in shape are not the Instagram stars or the young girls who are 12 looking at the Instagram stars now. We're talking, or, and guys, we're talking about people in their 50s to late 60s who are looking to be able to use their retirement for the next 20 years and enjoy it, not be stuck in a nursing home. So what is the sticking point for them? Biggest one? What have they done for the last 45 or 50 years? And you hit it on the head. They're not used to it. So it's getting into the habit. Uh, I think the big thing is making it um, digestible for them. You know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Let's start with Tai Chi. Let's start with basic. You, you can't do yoga. Let's start with basic movement, standing. So helping them understand. And I, I think that a large part of this population is, um, you know, starting to understand that, they have immense amount of intellectual knowledge, but their body's going the opposite way, and they want to be able to share that. There was a great movie uh, with um, uh, who yeah, he was in Ronin. He was one of the main characters. Um, can picture him? I can't remember his name. Uh, it's called The Intern. Is the name of the movie? Fantastic. So he gets a job as an intern. And he's in his in his sixties, and he has all this knowledge. But the younger kids are like, you know, again, how long is your nose? <laughs> um, you know, what do you know, Grandpa? Kind of thing, and he. Yeah. Sh- uh, and I think that's that's one of the things that we're looking at. I think the way in is to show them we we value them. Like, yeah, I'm younger than you, and I don't have the life experience you do. It's a mutual benefit. Let's hang out. I'll help you work out, and you teach me why the stock market is about to drop the bottom out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and how, and how to protect. That's one of my older clients. That that's what we talk about every time we work out. And he's the one who's like, look, you need to buy a fixed. I was like, yeah, but the fixed income is awful right now. He's like, trust me, I've seen it before. Do it. You'll thank me in 20 years. And I think that's part of the obstacle. And this goes back to the certification thing and the college thing. I have a degree from such and such. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> if you think so much, I had an older client and I actually said to him, you know, Joe was his name. He's from Italy. So we spoke a little bit of Italian. And after the third or fourth session, I'm like, Joe, you need somebody who's able to break things down a little bit more than I can. He's like, yeah, I was thinking that also. Set him up with another trainer. He's happy as a lark. They're doing walking. That's what they're doing. They're doing walking and a couple band exercises. So being able to communicate at the level they're on, and he looks great. His posture is better. Could I have worked with him? Sure. Was I the right person? Hell no, because I'm not interested in that. So I think that's part of it is we all as young trainers, I want, I want elite fitness. Like 
no offense to CrossFit or anybody else, but there's a, a, a elite. I'm elite. I don't do that. I had a, another coach at the USA Coaching Summit talked about that. They got rid of their elite team because there was this problem of, I'm on the elite team. Like, nobody gives a shit. So they, now they call it um, uh, the A-ride and the B-ride. That's it. And the B-ride is the higher level. <laughs> nice. Screws with your mind. Um, <laughs> I think the big thing is showing them that they can do it, but they just have to start slow um, and start on basics. Breathing, again, diastasis recti, uh, breathing, uh, a little bit of mobility, but also helping. And I think the ACSM should do a better job of the technical definition of aging is loss of range of motion about a joint. And we talked about this in the Get Better Project. There are cyclists that I have that are 27, 28, that have the upper body mobility of a 63-year-old. And there are 63-year-olds who have the mobility upper body of a 27-year-old. So, so helping them understand that your body's just showing signs of wear, but that doesn't mean you can, you're going to, you know, you're, you're stuck to suffer. Right. Does that kind of answer or is that kind of a, eh. It does. I think that it's, it's a, it's a problem that I don't know that there's a solution to. And I think that you're right, that it's individualized. And if, if we could all be able to talk to every single, you know, like if you and I could go to one of these RV parks and we go and talk every, to every single person personally, I'm sure that we could figure out how to motivate them. Um, the question that I'm always asking, and it sounds like you're asking a similar question, is how do we take a larger piece of the pie and do more um, with our one voice, you know? Like how can we talk to a million people and have a million people make a change? Um, because it just, although it's really cool to make a change with one person, and um, you know, I think that you and I are people that want to, talk the bigger game and we want to make it an effect larger and whether that means that we all have we have to go train a million people so that they can go talk individually to a million people maybe that's the solution i don't know what it is but um making that larger impact so that people look at it and they're like hey i gotta do that you know i'm 60 and i can hardly get up and out of my my recliner here in the rv but I, I see that person or I see this thing and I, I need to do it. I, I can do it. I need to do it. Let's get started. Um, just like they're, you know, driving by the Cracker Barrel. And they're like, I want to try that, you know, breaded steak right there. Um, mm-hmm. How do we figure that out? How do we make it accessible, doable for them so that they're like, this is something. Because I always get the, the impression from these people that they can't do it. And I'm fighting that uphill battle when I'm talking to them, even individually. Um, they're like, oh, wait till you turn 50 or whatnot, you know, or right. it used to be like, wait till you turn 40. And I'm like, I'm almost there. And they're like, no way. Wait till, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but that's like, the thing, right? You know? Right. But that's where I think part of that comes from. Uh, that's just human nature to be like, what can you tell me? Um, even those who mean well, Robert De Niro, that's who the actor was. Wow. That's bothering me. Um, but I had a random thought at the gym today, which now maybe it's not so random, what kind of music do you like to listen to when you work out? Is it new stuff or is it stuff that you grew up with when you were like 20, 24, 25? Uh, actually, I don't usually listen to a lot of music when I'm working out. Um, the other day I was doing burpees while I was listening to an audiobook. Um, if that tells you anything about me. And then I actually had to turn it off because I'm like, this is not productive for either one of these. <laughs> um, but I'm a weirdo in that I listen to music that is like slower like i'll turn on country music when i'm lifting and i don't it doesn't matter to me because i can't hear it like 
if you're standing there and I'm in the middle of a workout and I'm in the zone, it doesn't matter what's going on. Like I cannot tell if my mom or, you know, grandma is yelling at me to pick up the weight or, you know, throw the baseball or whatnot. Um, so it all, it was always funny to me. I mean, you know, you tell me what you think of that answer, but I could never hear it. Once the clock 10 second countdown goes, I have no idea what's going on. No, dude, I'm, I'm the same way. I've, I've been known when people walk into the cross, the box where I was uh, working at, I, I still personal train there a little bit, but jazz and classical people are like, what is this? And they change it. I don't even know. Like I noticed it in my rest period. I'm like, who the fuck changed the music? They're like, who <laughs> listens to this when they lift? <laughs> it just gives me a rhythm. But the reason I ask is like most of us, our, our music that we listen to, our music taste by the age of, of 24, 25 is pretty much set. Like I now get why people at, at the gym, the older guys are like, this is bad music. And they put on, you know, this is good music. And you're like, that's when that was their age. It's good memories. Yep. The reason I mention that is we have to go back and think about this population. They're not, and I, I don't mean this offensively, they're not on the internet. Maybe they are, but not, Facebook is not ingrained in their lives. If we want to have an impact with this population, we need to set up workshops. Come for an hour and see that you can do a workout. But nowadays, I'm totally guilty of this. I've just shot 347 YouTube videos that need to be edited, and that's my focus. Like, I don't want to go to a workshop for 15 people, but that's where we got to go. We have to think about what were their norms? What are they used to? And this is now we're, we're really going to suffer. Now that you meant that we're talking about this, we're going to suffer a big disconnect. The next you know, 15 years, it's going to be growing and growing. There's going to be almost two different populations, 50 plus and everybody else. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's an interesting thing. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to, to cross that barrier. And how old are you now? Uh, I'll be 35 shortly. Okay. So we're kind of like in that spot where we're, we were, we got to experience a little bit of both in that, like, I didn't have a cell phone until I was in college that was my first cell phone experience and it was still like one of those candy bar things that yeah you didn't text message on it you know looking back now i'm like i actually used the phone component yeah. of it. i don't know yeah. yeah and i don't know really why i did that um but i remember thinking it was really cool to have that you know green case on my my nokia candy bar phone yeah so it's interesting like i don't know how, how do you feel about that like because we started learning it um, at a later age, you know, I'm trying to remember when the, do you remember what year the iPhone came out? I believe the iPhone, that was when I was dating the other person, um, 2007, 2006 ish. Okay. So I was like 26, 27 years old when that happened. Um, 2007, the sidekick came out when it had the flip out like, you know, when I had the actual tech, the keyboard. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was like 2006, 2000, because Byron Allison, he was a manager for the pit team with me. He got one and everybody's like, oh, no way. And then the iPhone came out. It must have been 2008. Okay. Not even a decade, man. It's just now been a decade that the iPhone's been out. Yeah. So my question then is, at what point can those 50 pluses convert or change? You know, were we, was I still malleable at 28? to make that change or, you know, in, was I still like, I tend to lean towards mechanics and things like that. Like I love technology. The new technology thing comes out. Um, I, we talked about it before. It's like, yeah, I want to have the new whoop watch and I want to look at and, you know, see what the, that does with the, 
you know, HRV strap or the aura ring, or I want to be able to take in my, my fitness pal data and I want to be able to analyze it and correlate it. And, you know, it's, it's like you've said, it's, it doesn't necessarily make a difference and it's a whole bunch of waste of time, but at the end of the day, it's still fun, you know, and I, I still have fun being like, what if I wish the damn companies would talk to each other so I could just have <laughs> one information at the end of the day and be like, dude, if I ate Cheerios, it helped my HRV the third day after, you know, I did squats and, um, you know, then I do Cheerios and do squats every third day. So I think it's all interesting, but do you have any thought on, you know, malleability of people's learning? Well, we also have to look at it from this perspective. They also came through, like, think about the 1950s and 60s. They had the remote control start, the microwave. So they went through their own different technological uh, changes as well. So I think part of it is relatability and ease of use. Uh, You know, nowadays you give an iPhone to a child. I remember when the iPhone came out, the three-year-old niece I had figured it out faster than I did. It's very intuitive to a basic brain. They, They spent a lot of time developing it. So I think part of it is what are the social norms? in that group. Uh, and also, uh, who's the target market? Like we talk about that all the time as entrepreneurs, right? Who's your target market. And I think that a large disconnect is a lot of the technology that's coming out. A lot of the stuff is, and and even workout equipment is geared towards people in their thirties. Why? Cause we have a family we have, or should have a steady job. Um, there's a lot of other things that go on and, and it's just that confluence of this is the target market you want because the, the income is there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or the, the value for them is there. And I think that's what we're missing. Like I look at uh, something like the Whoop Watch, um, the HRV training. I think that is an incredibly invaluable tool for anybody over the age of 50. I have somebody that's my, my next call before Usher comes is to talk with uh, an athlete in his 50s, uh, a cyclist. And he's been using the whoop watch. And we had this whole conversation last week, like, dude, you need some green. You've been yet. He's like, no, it's okay. I get a green every two or three weeks. I'm like, no, you need a green like every 10 to 14 days. Yellow is okay, but you should wake up in the green, do your workout. And then it comes down to the yellow because it's stress and recover. And now he's starting to ride better. It's only been four days. So gearing that towards them. Uh, and when I say them is, is that audience and, and, and making it digestible for them. Like I think about my parents learning the iPhone, like to you and I and, and a kid, it's intuitive, but to them, they're used to, you know, dialing. So what's the app again? What? And it's like, oh, dad, it's, it's a computer. It's just like the programs on the computer. And then the light bulb goes off. And then it's like, like, where did you learn? Oh, you explained it's a, a computer program. So I just went for the little icon thing. Um, <laughs> and I think that's part of the disconnect is, but it's, it's also, <sighs> I think we don't value, like in, in, in Judaism, we talk about honoring your elders. And I think as far as what I'm seeing, I think that a lot of it is we, it's exactly what Robert De Niro had in the movie, The Intern, is people disrespect those with the experience. Oh, you're older. You drive slower. You do this slower. Like we're always fast, 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 fast. And part of this is Moore's law also, right? Every so many years, exponential. And we're getting to the top. Where's it going to go next? Is it going to be singularity? Is it going to be blow up. I think that we, and and this is part of the job market. People are like, Oh, but that's the new age is every two years. You should have a new job every six months. I think part of it is because we have an ADHD problem. We're like, Oh, I really want this job. Oh, it's too hard for me. So I'm going to find something new. I know I'm guilty of it. At least there've been two jobs that I left. One of them, it was not a good work environment, but I stuck it out for the money. And then I was like, I am miserable and I can't do this. And the second one was like, this is hard and I don't care enough to 
put the time to learn it. And I think that's a problem that our generation has is one, we don't have patience. Definitely don't have patience. Like think about it. If you get the swirly thing for the checkout for longer than four seconds, you're like, is my internet working? What's going on with the thing? Like what happened? Maybe my computer's broken. Oh, it worked. Hmm. That's a really slow website. I'm not going to order from them again. Like, dude, and it's a problem. Yeah. Like patience. And this is where I think a lot of people, you went, you talked about the, the biggest transformation, like everybody, like, and this is the, a couple athletes are coming back to me now. I spoke to seven, eight years ago. They're like, yeah, I met you before. And I, I, I recognize now that I really need your expertise. And like, well, your price then was, was this and you're how much? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens. But point being for that population to get into them, I think we need to, one, we, we all need to learn patience, all of us. We need to remember that it's relatability and, and we have to value what they bring to the table as well. And, and a lot of new trainers, especially with the online certifications, well, this is what the book says. The book isn't people. Kathy Dewey has a great uh, course called Immaculate Dissection. And she talks about that, you know, technically the nerve should come under or through the ischial tuberosity, but there have been numerous, you know, cadavers that she's seen and she teaches anatomy at one, uh, NYU. I think there are numerous where it's coming under, it's coming over. There's three instead of two, like, everybody's different, but we have to learn like there's variances. Uh, and I think that's part of the alienation is they, they just feel uh, alienated because everything's so fast and needs to be done now. Like think about it when someone that age comes, you know, over the age of 40 comes into your CrossFit class as a beginner, what's your thought? Like, I hope they don't get injured. Like, why don't you treat them like a 20 year old? Like, all right, let's see what you can do. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a, a distorted view, I think, because I have a mother that's a competitive CrossFit athlete at 66. And every year she's she's been in the top, at least top 100 for her age. And almost, I've been trying to push her to make it to the games, you know, for the last few years. It, just a few little tweaks and she'd be there. But you know, <laughs> listening to her son all the time is not her favorite thing, I think. Um, but That's part of it. Why listen to somebody younger than me? They don't have the experience. Sorry, go ahead. Continue. No, yeah, but I, like, so I'm sitting here going like, and I use her as, as ammunition all the time, you know, for, well, I'm too old to do this. I'm like, actually, here's my mom. Look at her. Um, and she's freaking a rock star. But my view is a little bit different because of that. And I grew up with it. You know, when I got into cross, my mom was like, what's this? Can I do it with you and your brother? And it's like, yeah, of course. So, you know, 10 years ago when I had gotten into CrossFit, she's doing the workouts along with us. When they said, Hey, you can scale for anybody. I was just like, yeah, sure. We're, we'll do it. You know? So my, my view is a little bit skewed and it. You know, I understand that stepping back and taking other people's perspective is really an important thing to do here. Um, so I think that that's why I like to ask the question to someone like you, that's very smart and thinks about it in, in a different way, potentially. So yeah. I think it's about perspective and experience more than, than intelligence and smarts. Like it's a matter of like, cause the truth always lies. You have a little bit of truth. I have a little bit of truth and it's finding like, where, where does that truth actually lie? And you look at these, these older individuals over the age of 50 who are setting these world records for the marathon, for cycling. And most of them either were a low level of active, like um, the cyclist who's 110 or something. He has ridden all the time for transportation, but at a low intensity. Yeah. Like our bodies aren't made to take that much beating. And I was just thinking about this today. There was a, a, a girl in CrossFit, a woman in CrossFit practicing her handstand for like 30 minutes after the class was done. I'm just sitting there thinking like you are crushing your joints and your, your connective tissue, like give it a rest. And we like to go a hundred miles an hour, but 
the body, like as long as you're, you're, you're feeding it and watering it, it's made to go long distance at a moderate to low intensity. And that's, I think, where our, our challenge is, is that's why the CrossFit burnout's so freaking high. Intense, intense, intense. Oh, I got to go intense. Like the Metcon's seven minutes, dude, not 57. Like, right. calm down. <laughs> okay, you don't get the last set of five squats because you're tired today? Awesome. Good. Listen to your body. How about we lower the weight for the Metcon? No, no, no. Hold the Metcon. I'm almost done. Five. Knees are caving in. Right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. And this goes into the now, 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 like it has to be intense, like intense or nothing. Like, dude, calm down. It's okay. You know, most, if you want to going back to your question on how to be successful, uh, if you want to be successful long-term for this, uh, we're talking about the intensity. And I just wrote a piece, um, I forget who it was for. I think I, I contributed for greatest, I think on weightlifting belts and weightlifting shoes. And I said, if you want to be successful long-term, and this is, I think from Dan John, from Pavel, and uh, Tony, you need six, five, sixes, and sevens. Most 99% of the time in the gym, it's a five, six, or seven. You leave, you're not gassed. You're like, I could probably do one more set at the same weight if I really wanted to, but I'm not going to. Yeah. We've got to do a nine. If it's not a nine, it doesn't count. Like my last rep didn't count because my toes only went over the line. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we, so I need to take a, I'm going to take a note here. So when I re-listen to this, um, Joe, make a note that we need to have another one on intensity, just another talk on intensity. Because I think that that is super important with all of the stuff that CrossFit is doing and that I do, um, that there's a deep conversation to be had on intensity and um, how that relates to improvement and then also to mastery um, of movement or even like time that we're creating um, changes in our nervous system in order to get better at sport specific activity um, and how like grooving the nerves and things like that. Um, because I don't a hundred percent understand it, but I'd love to have a deep conversation with you about it. So sorry guys, we're not going to get into it right now. We've got some other stuff to do, but um, that would be super duper interesting because I think that there's, there's a whole back and forth that we could have on that conversation because of, you know, the, the intricacies of if we just took CrossFit of CrossFit, like if we took the muscle up as an example and like the intricacies of movement pattern that have to be done in order to do that well, but then also the strength component, but then also if you want to be good in the competitive aspect of it, where and when to bring the intensity and how often to do that in order to recover properly and actually get better. Anyway, I'm going down a complete rabbit hole and to tell you that we shouldn't talk about it right now, but <laughs> I want to say one thing about that because yep. it's on my mind and it's like, it's an opportunity to let it out. Uh, the CrossFit female athlete that I trained for the, for the CrossFit games, yep. a lot of people said that I was ruining her. I think I mentioned this in the get better pro, uh, because I only gave her so much intensity yep. and still to this day, it pisses me off that her response to me was, yeah, I only did so well because they were more strongman oriented stuff. I was like, no, they weren't. The only thing you failed at were the rope climbs. The intense was right. Like her, I remember we did um, uh, ATP PC um, repeats and she, her heart rate went from 170 to 127 in 38 seconds. What were you guys doing? We were doing um, ATP PC energy. So we were doing like 45 second all out, 15 second rest. 
And then after we do a set and then her heart rate went from a high, high working down to active recovery in, in 38 seconds. That was the best I've ever seen aside from one cyclist. And I told her that I was like, you are in fantastic shape. She's like, I haven't done enough intensity. I'm like, Anyhow, okay. I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> no, yeah, that's very, very deep rabbit hole, and I we definitely have to put that on the calendar because it's such an interesting conversation. Um, but making it a little bit lighter, what's your favorite mm-hmm. cheat meal? Uh, easy, triple hamburger, no cheeseburgers, triple hamburger uh, with a uh, side of fries and a coke. From where? Uh, there's a place here called Susu and Sons. Okay. Oh, with lamb, lamb bacon on top. Lamb bacon. And what and pineapple. is <laughs> What is so amazing about this burger? Um, it's filling, man. It, it's, it's the spices they have. We tried another one from a place called Captain Burger, which was all right. It's a little bit too greasy. But they have like a nice balance of lean, lean beef. The pineapple and lamb bacon. I don't know, dude. There's some – like I'm also the weirdo who likes pineapple on their people, uh, pizza. Like I was oh, always I- anti – I do too. So, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like fresh pineapple. And that's, that's what I love about it. I think they, they uh, grill the pineapple on the grill with the hamburger. So it gets the flavor, but it's fresh. So it's like crispy on the outside. And then you have the lamb bacon, which is like crispy and tender at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And the triple just cause well, it's, it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so do you, did you have a hard stop in 20 minutes? Is that what we're looking at? Uh, he, he just messaged me a couple minutes ago, like 20, 25, something like that. Okay. We'll shoot. We'll do 20. I just wanted to make sure. Cause I, I know that these questions could get interesting. Um, what's the biggest mistake that you see in sports performance these days? Uh, pushing people too hard too soon by far. Like that was, that was the, the piece for greatest is like, uh, the question was, um, weightlifting shoes. Who do you recommend them for pros and cons? Definitely not for beginners. I've, I've had five different CrossFitters who came into my classes, not individual. Uh, dude, your ankle mobility is not very good. Come back a week later, they bought uh, weightlifting shoes because another coach recommended them. And then within seven to 12 weeks had a major injury, back or hip. Like, like, I think there has to be this process. Learn how to squat. Like I have people that are starting up with me strength training. I just had a great uh, phone call earlier with a, an athlete and he's another coach and he gets it. Because I, I sent him an email, I'm like, look, I'm sorry. I know it's, it's really slow, but there's a lot of things going on and I really need to like focus down and figure out what, what to do. Um, he gets it. Not everybody does. Uh, there's another woman I'm working with now getting her to run. She hasn't ran in years. Uh, put on uh, 15 or 25 kilo uh, and we're working. And the first couple, again, she gets it. Like start off easy. Most of the people we work with are not professional athletes, even though they want to train like them. And amateur athletes are the worst they are the worst. They're like, yeah, but I saw that Chris Froome is Chris Froome's job is to ride his bicycle. You got to go work 45 hours a week and deal with stress and then ride your bike. And that's, I think that's really it is like for most of our athletes, um, you know, Joel calls them development days. You get one development day, maybe two a week, and then a stimula- uh, two stimulation days and a high performance recovery training. Like I, I think my secret to my success is one development day, three stimulation days and a high performance recovery. That's what we've kind of done all the time. And then when the athlete gets big enough, maybe we'll do two for a four to six week cycle. Um, this was a piece I did with uh, Celine Yeager for bicycling magazine. How often should you change your workouts? It depends. Like for most athletes, I tell them 10 workouts. It could be five weeks. It could be three weeks. How often are you working out? Um, 
But yeah, too much intensity too soon, trying to copy what someone higher is doing without taking the time. Tissues, the fascia, the meniscus, the, the white, the ligaments, the tendons need time to catch up. And yeah, it's cool to be able to go balls to the walls and finish Murph in under an hour. But you know, are you going to be able to work? Are you going to be able to walk for the next week or raise your hands? No. Start where you need to start. It's five, sixes, and sevens, man. Was it a five? Was it an eight? How many eights have you had the last two weeks? Two? We got fives for the next couple of days. That's it. Do you think you can counteract that by extra sleep? No. I think extra sleep helps. Uh, I don't think you can counteract the fact that sometimes the tissues just need time. Uh, and I do think that people are way overusing antioxidants. Uh, Dr. Stacy Sims talked about this briefly in her presentation and said, you know, antioxidants are useful, but using them immediately, what's the goal of your activity? If you're a professional NBA player and you have 82 games a year and you're playing every other day or every third day and you're on the road during the season, what is the goal of our session? If you're playing, you need to recover for the next day. Yes. Antioxidants. If your goal is to develop early season or off season where you're working out on your own and making yourself stronger. No, the body needs inflammation and it needs time. Uh, and that's what a lot of, again, right here, right now, right now, it's gotta be right now. Like sleep doesn't counteract that fully because the tissue, the, it's white tissue. It doesn't have blood flow. You could do PRP, platelet rich plasma. You could do prolotherapy. Yes, you could do stem. Those are that's a type of stem cell, the uh, prolotherapy, but you still need the time. One of my clients had a prolotherapy on one of his joints. And for the next four and a half, five weeks, he's like, still doesn't feel better. Still doesn't feel better. The, the physician told him, you know, six to eight weeks, seventh week, pop up. He's like, this is the best I felt on the bike. And I was like, wait a minute. One, two, three, four, five, six. Holy shit. Like seven weeks. Duh. How did I forget that? Because we're all like, oh, but I had, but I took it. I did the thing that I need to do and it should be better today. Why isn't it working? Time. Give it some time. Interesting. So what's this kick on antioxidants? I heard so this. we need the inflammation. How does the body repair stuff in the body? Inflammation. So yeah. if you take, if your goal of your session, so in-season basketball players right now need antioxidants after some of the workouts. So I just had a workout yesterday with uh, 13, uh, 14 and 15 year old kids. Uh, I essentially told them and showed them what we're going to do for testing in two weeks because I, I want them to test well. Um, some people would say I'm, I'm taking myself out of my job because then they're not, you know, in a month from then, they're not going to test even better. But um, I told them, who's sore, who's tight? And they all raised their hand. I was like, great, go home. Uh, I want you guys each to have uh, some greens and some fresh fruits, uh, almonds as well, if you want, or dark chocolate. And they're like, chocolate? I'm like, not milk chocolate, dark chocolate. There are times where you need antioxidants and you need to help the body in, with the inflammation response. When I broke my ankle a couple of years ago, running for a bus for no reason, I can't remember if I told you that. I think, did I tell you that story? I don't think so. Uh, I'll save it. But I, I essentially broke my ankle running for a bus for no reason, turned it on the curb, like tore it up really bad. Uh, I spent the next six weeks it was really inflamed. Like I was too, a week at my parents' house because I couldn't move. Uh, they had a bathroom and the guest room right next to one another. I essentially lived there for two weeks. Um, I had, <laughs> uh, I was on the sofa in my apartment, uh, a bottle of Merlot a day with uh, two handfuls of almonds, uh, two dark chocolate bars, 80% cacao and more, plus uh, a regular high vegetable, high fruit uh, diet and watch the Gilmore Girls. 
<laughs> that's what I did. That's what that laugh was about. Was the, whole, the wine and the Gilmore Girls. Uh, fantastic show. <laughs> the writers of the show, Paladinos, now have uh, the marvelous Mrs. Mizell on uh, Amazon Prime. Awesome. Uh, anyhow, um, so I needed... Th- Sorry again? I said link in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> um, but I needed the antioxidants because the inflammation response was so strong. So sometimes, and even then you have to mitigate it just a little bit. So what I would do is it would be like two days of two glasses, three glasses of wine for a day. And then I would do like a a whole bottle over the course of the day. Not like drunk. I'm talking like French, like, oh, this is wine. This is good. Um, But not, not, not to drink. If you don't have the inflammation, inflammatory response in the body, you're not going to have tissue regeneration. You have to have that inflammation response. The problem we have, and the reason why it's become so popular, inflammation is bad. Any type of inflammation is bad. After your workout, if you're a female in the luteal phase, days uh, 15 to 28 of your menstrual cycle, you want to have less inflammation because you're already catabolic. We want to try and calm it down. But even then, we don't want to get rid of it completely. So like ice, ice really doesn't have any effect on injury aside from it's a painkiller. That's it. Um, so there's a bunch of other stuff for that. But essentially, you need the inflammatory response of the body. So you have to think is the point of my session today to develop, to get stronger, to move forward? Or am I consistently having to perform? Like, you know, when we have, um, I feel bad forgetting, but leading up to the games in order to qualify, we have the open, right? So right. during open, hell yeah, you're taking antioxidants. And this is one of the things I taught Courtney, like after every single workout, especially if you didn't do well, up on that stuff get some rest and then come back and repeat it the next day or two days later, depending on what the workout is. But she's like, but the rest of the time you told me to avoid this stuff. I'm like, yes, because we're developing. Now you need to perform. Now's the time that you use it. So you use it for the amount of time you need to perform over and over again because you want to decrease inflammation. But when you're trying to develop, you need that response within reason to be able to perform. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. I just hadn't heard about it for competition, which is really interesting. I had actually had some guy when I was in Hawaii, forgetting his last name now. He was in Kauai. He was a master's athlete that makes it to the regionals every year. Eric, somebody or other. Shoot. Sorry, Eric. Uh, anyway, he was like telling me after his workout, we were there during a qualifier, and he was like, man, I'm going to go. i taken a whole bunch of antioxidants. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, and it makes sense, but I'm, I'm surprised I never put two and two together for that particular time frame and, and whatnot and what you're trying to accomplish. Well, it's also the, the bioavailability, the, the body to take up the chemical made, the man-made, like ascorbic acid is very low. So vi- that type of vitamin C, whereas if you're having the actual fruit, there was a, a research done here in Israel with pomegranate juice <clears throat> that it showed that it uh, essentially uh, decreased 18% the blockage in the uh, main uh, artery to the heart, I forget, I think it's the desetting aorta, possibly, uh, 18% for having one cup of uh, pomegranate juice every day for a year. If they had a drug that did that, that would be like the cure. So yeah. my response to it was, wow, that's cool. I wonder what would happen if they actually ate the fruit. Who posted it, I believe it was Kathy Dooley, was like, that was my thought exactly. Because think about it, that has fiber. And we know, and we were talking before the show about the gut microbe and, and how that can predict health. Yeah. Like 
the fibers that we eat, we don't even, we barely know anything. We have three classifications of fiber now, soluble, insoluble, and or two types of insoluble fiber, right? But there's like, someone suggested there's as many as, as either seven or nine. And I would go even further than that. Just think about the different fruits and vegetables we have. Right. And that affects our gut microbe. But we'll save that for, for another one. But yeah. Interesting. Very interesting stuff. Um, last question. If you could be known for one thing in your life, what would it be? Can I can I interweave a couple of things into that? Like yeah, I'm just, one thing. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm re- I'm reading this book about this you know guy that was you know, hundreds of years old or ago, or maybe even 10 years ago, past 10 years ago, and he had this great thing that he did. His name's Malcolm Brody. What did he do? Through gaining a healthier body and moving more, help people connect to their own inner spirituality or animal, whatever you want to call it, uh, to live a life with more gratitude every day and to be healthier and happier, not just by body, but also by uh, mentally and spiritually through movement. That was a good one, man. That was tough. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very eloquent answer. I liked it. But that's, that's just my practice. That's what I was thinking about. Like, what do I preach or what do I, what I practice and what do I preach to people? Like we all have shitty days. I'm like gratitude move every day take care of yourself mentally physically and spiritually like if you move and you're doing it it should improve everything in your life love it all right how can how can people find you and is there anything that you'd like to promote uh depends on which day superman signal or batman signal i'm just kidding um uh humanvortextraining.com humanvortextraining.com um Human Vortex Training on Facebook, uh, HV Training on YouTube, HV Training on Instagram, and I do have a course, Strength Training for Cycling, and a separate course, Strength Training for Triathlon Success on Training Peaks University, uh, and also on the Get Better Project. Uh, we have another great interview over there. Um, Bicycling Magazine, trying to pop up a little bit more. Uh, I think those would be the, the big ones. LinkedIn, of course, as well. Very cool. Well, we'll put all those guys in the show notes, uh, which are over all around joe.com slash 176. Uh, Menachem, it has been awesome talking with you. Um, you know, number two of many more times to come, uh, I'm sure. So thanks so much, man. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we'll talk soon. You as well, man. Loved it. Look forward to the next time. All right. That was my interview with Menachem Brody. Man, I think Menachem and I could just talk for hours and hours, but uh, we have other stuff to do. Maybe we should just come up with our podcast of ourselves, talking for hours and hours. Maybe that'd be interesting. It's definitely interesting to us, (laughs) uh, talking about strength and conditioning and cycling and where the world is going, college, all that fun stuff. So I hope that you guys enjoyed that as much as I did because I immensely enjoyed it. So Menachem is just an awesome person. If you guys want to get to any of the show notes, just check out the links that we talked about at all. Go to allaroundjoe.com slash 176. That's allaroundjoe.com slash 176. We talked about a bunch of stuff. 
in this show. All kinds of cool stuff. So allaroundjoe.com slash 176. And remember, if you're a hard charger at all, if you need to decrease that caffeine intake a little bit to let your adrenals repair themselves, check out Meta at drinkmeta.com. Use the code allaroundjoe to get yourself a discount. I highly recommend it. I drink this stuff every single day. And if you have any questions at all, put them in the show notes, allaroundjoe.com slash 176. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that with my good friend, Menachem Brody. All right, guys, I will see you on the next podcast. The All Around Joe Podcast, we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-control. I'll see you on the next one.